uh, because of your grace towards us in the Lord Jesus. So please help us as we come to your word now. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so let's read together now from Luke chapter 7 and at verse 36 to verse 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. So again, Jesus changes everything, this time for a sinful woman. This is a story of a public scandal. Now picture this as we begin. Imagine uh, sitting in a church. All is quiet. We're ready for worship. And in comes someone guilty of public sin, some kind of scandal. Uh, maybe that's um, a football club owner from one of the big six, or perhaps it's a drug addict. Maybe it's a, a well-known celebrity who has uh, fallen into disfavour. Perhaps it's a, a former prison convict. Well, when that moment comes, what do we do? What would the grace of God have us do? I imagine that kind of situation might expose some of the things going on in our hearts. It might create a measure of discomfort for us. But it would be also, wouldn't it, an opportunity to demonstrate love and grace and kindness and a welcome in the name of Jesus. Well, when we think about the life of Jesus, we recognise that he often shocked others, in particular with regards to the people that he welcomed. And this event that we've just read is perhaps one of the biggest scandals of all when it comes to the life of Jesus. So we're going to look at this, this wonderful story. We're going to draw some lessons from our three main characters so that uh, together we might see how Jesus and his grace changes everything that is true for this woman and may it be true for each one of us today, whoever we are. So the story, let's begin with the story, which is really the story of the scandal of God's grace. So we're, first of all, let's think about the setting. 
in verse 36. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him and he's at the Pharisee's house reclining at the table. So think of a, a black tie event in our day. There's the great and the good are gathered together. There's nice food. There's polite, intelligent conversation. Might get us into the mood for what would be known in Jesus' day as a, a Roman symposium. Uh, so those um, invited would be gathered together around low tables. They'd be leaning on one shoulder, eating with the other. And they'd be facing the table. Their legs would be uh, out behind them. And uh, the guests would be reclining and they'd be sharing their wisdom. Uh, but within the, the house, the public could sort of be on the edges and they could listen in as a way to try and gain some, some wisdom and insight. And, and the guest list was Simon, the Pharisee. He would, without question, have invited other religious leaders. He would have invited those who were at the top of the social ladder. Their whole system was based on being separate from those that they considered other than them. So it would have been very like-minded people. But then there's Jesus. Now, Jesus is an invited guest of Simon, but, and this is important, he's not the guest of honour. He's a guest who is not treated with honour, as we see. Uh, so so the, the, the guests are there, the crowd have gathered, they want to gain wisdom. And Jesus, what does Jesus do? He uses this, this whole experience to teach an unforgettable lesson on God's grace and the forgiveness that he has come to bring. And that takes us to the scandal um, of verses 37 to 39. You can almost picture uh, at the table mouths dropping, people stopping mid-chew, conversation stopping mid-sentence and maybe around the room the muttering, the pointing, the shock, the anger from some, the embarrassment of others as this notorious woman, this public sinner enters and she crashes the party, not, not just by being there but in the actions uh, that she takes. Here is a woman who is overwhelmed by a sense of love and gratitude for Jesus and so she wants to honour Jesus, so she stands behind him and she's got this jar of perfume to anoint his feet. She wants to serve him, uh, to wash his feet and there's weeping uh, and she's wiping uh, his feet and she's kissing his feet. And this is a shocking scene. I didn't know this, but um, in, in Jesus' day and culture, uh, for a woman to undo her hair and to let it down in public uh, was considered grounds for divorce. Such was the, the scandal. But this woman, she ignores the stares, she ignores the hostility and the shock to honour Jesus. Now, of course, Simon, he is shocked. Verse 39, when the Pharisees saw this, he said, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. He's respectable. Presumes Jesus is not from God because... He doesn't simply move away and reject the woman. Simon's thinking is significant. She is a sinner. By implication, Simon doesn't think I'm a sinner. He thinks he belongs in some other category. And that leads Jesus to tell his story, a story that kind of explodes uh, that myth for Simon. It's a very simple and a very direct story in verses 40 to 43. But you know there's a shock implied even in who the lesson is addressed to. Here is Simon the teacher, but it's he who needs a lesson, not the woman. It's he, Simon, who's out of step with God and his grace, not this woman. So Jesus tells the story. To put it in our own terminology, we can imagine a, a payday loans company or a loan shark. 
and two people fall on hard times and they become customer customers of this uh, uh, payday loans company. One borrows 50 days wages, the other borrows 500 days wages. Well, it comes the end of the month um, and the loan shark comes to collect the debt, but actually he doesn't. That's what we would expect, but he doesn't come to collect the debt. He comes to cancel the debt. And Jesus asked the question, which of them will love him more, little debt or great debt? And Simon, of course, is correct when he says the one who had the bigger debt forgiven will have greater love. Imagine, imagine how despair would turn to hope, how sorrow would turn to joy, how stress would turn to peace. And, you know, there's a sting in the tail as Jesus tells this story to Simon. He says, Simon, you're right in theory, but you are wrong in practice. And that's why verses 44 to 50 is kind of the twist in the whole story. Um, Tim Chester has written a, a really interesting book, helpful book called Meals with Jesus. And one of the things he points out is that Simon, at one and the same time, is the host, but not the host, because he fails to honour Jesus. Whereas the woman, she actually is the host, but she's not even the guest, because she honours, she loves, and she anoints, she serves Jesus. The woman... Uh, verse 47 is the one with the great debt. I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Jesus has dealt with her great debt. He has cancelled that debt. He has the power to forgive as the Son of God. And as a response to that forgiveness and salvation, to that grace, the woman shows great love in honouring Jesus. Whereas Simon, by implication, well, Simon is, is the little debt guy. I see he might well think of himself as the no debt guy. He's a little sinner. With the result that he has no love for Jesus, no honour for Jesus. He sees no need in his life for Jesus. And again, think about the twist in, in the, the story of this woman. So she's used to being talked about publicly, being abused publicly, being insulted, being subject to whispering campaigns. But Jesus, what does Jesus say publicly of her? Your sins are forgiven. Your faith is saved. You go in peace. Here is, to use J.C. Ryle's language, a public and authoritative declaration of forgiveness. Jesus pronounces grace and peace on this woman. In this account, three times, the, the lady is described as uh, a sinner. Uh, first of all, in, in Simon's thinking in verse 39. And then in Jesus' own words in verse 47. Her many sins have been forgiven. And then as the guests begin to discuss, who is this who even forgives sins? She is a sinner. Three times also, Jesus is shown to be the one who forgives. Your sins are forgiven. The guests recognise he forgives sins and and Jesus said her faith has saved her. Her many sins, verse 47, have been forgiven. Now, how good is the good news? We asked that question last week. How good is the good news? Here is the good news. Jesus is a friend of sinners. And that's to his honour. This is a badge of honour that Jesus would wear. That he has come for the weak and the helpless and the, and the guilty. The despise, the rejected, the abused, and Jesus publicly defends and honours and welcomes. And this, 
This is the scandal of God's grace. This is the amazing grace John Newton was singing about. Think about John Newton's story when he sang that God by his grace saved a wretch like me. Here was a slave owner who was very violent, who was very hostile to God, but he was dramatically changed. Again, to ask the question, do you and I really believe this? Do we believe this can happen in people's lives? Do we believe how powerful and, and how transforming God's grace is? Imagine if we really believed that, how that would transform us and how that would shape our life and mission as a church. So to dig a little bit deeper into God's grace, let's use these three characters as it were to take a look in the mirror. Let's think first of all about Simon the Pharisee, someone who is lacking in grace. I think Simon stands as a warning to us, especially those of us who are in church. Um, It's a time for us to examine our hearts. How am I like graceless Simon? Three ways we can think about this warning. Think about um, a warning to insiders. Uh, So I read an article from a, a Pakistani academic, obviously deeply frustrated in his institution. He was angry at the reality of jobs for the boys, jobs for friends, at the expense of others. Recognising that there are some who are insiders, but then there are others who are outsiders where your face doesn't but doesn't fit. So there's no seat at the table for you, no power or influence. And Simon, when we think about it in religious terms, Simon was a, a so-called insider who excluded others. Part of that group, the the Pharisees, who were the separate ones, who had that holier-than-thou attitude, so they felt they could uh, be full of pride and they could sort of reject and be down on others. That kind of mentality. Don't value God's grace. Don't extend it to others. So we need to be very careful, if we are on the, the inside, as it were, of having a cold heart to God's grace. And also be, to be closed to Jesus and his mission by being closed to other people. I, I think here too there is a warning about respectable religion. Because Simon, he presumed his kind, they were okay with God. At, at worst he was a little sinner. He had a high view of self and a low view of sin. He imagined he could earn his salvation earn his acceptance from God and Jesus comes and he explodes that lie with his parable because what's the point of the parable yes the debts were different but both have a debt that cannot be paid back therefore both should have love and gratitude and both stand in need of grace so we need to beware of what we might call the merit mindset. That thinks when it comes to to faith, either I have to do certain things to become a Christian or to keep in God's favour, to keep in God's good books. That's up to me and my performance. And and that kind of merit mindset is really a recipe for, for pride on the one hand or despair on the other. And it's out of line with the gospel because the gospel speaks of grace from beginning to end. The gospel is grace from A to Z in our Christian lives. 
So we need to be aware of that sort of respectable religion that thinks it's about merit and not grace. And we also need to be aware of barriers. Have you ever felt, I'm sure we've all felt this at different times, I, I think of a situation where you feel like you just stick out like a sore thumb. As I was thinking about that, I was thinking about a time uh, in Glasgow where I went with some uh, Chinese friends to a, a, a traditional hot pot restaurant. First time I'd ever been there, uh, didn't understand uh, the menu, didn't recognise the ingredients, uh, didn't know what the process was. Felt really awkward and uncomfortable. Not, not, not our scene, not our, not our culture, not our language. You can be in situations like that. We need to recognise, for some people, churches like that. And so we must be careful to not put barriers in the way. So thinking back to my hot pot restaurant, I was so glad of friends who could sort of translate, who could walk me through uh, the steps, who could make me feel comfortable. And that's one of the things that we need to do for our, our friends as we bring them to church. Try and ease some of that uh, sort of discomfort or feeling, I don't belong here. And we must be careful in the way that we, we talk. Jesus in verse 44 asks a really interesting question of Simon. Simon, do you see this woman? The truth is, Simon didn't. What did Simon see? He saw her reputation. He saw her past. He saw her scandal. He couldn't and he wouldn't see what grace and love and forgiveness from God in Jesus would do to transform her. It was a great big barrier that he would have put up. Now, as a church... We must be so careful that our practices and our attitudes don't put up barriers to stop others from meeting with Jesus. And as individual Christians, we must never forget that it's only by grace that we are saved, as we thought about from Ephesians 2. And to recognise that God's grace is mighty to save. So we wouldn't, on the one hand, limit Jesus, nor would we make judgment to say, well, Jesus can't or won't save that type of person. So those are some lessons we can learn from Simon. What about this, this sinful woman, this lady who's changed by grace? There is in her story a beautiful story of hope and of redemption, isn't there? So again, as we use this story to, to look in, in the mirror, to think about our own lives, how am I like this woman? What can I learn from her story? Let's think, first of all, about forgiveness. So at some previous point in her life, it's evident that she has heard Jesus and his teaching, perhaps she has met with Jesus. We're, we're not clear on that, but what's clear is that um, from her past life, she has this load of, of sin and guilt and shame, and it's very public. But Jesus has met her with grace. Jesus took that load of sin and he has exchanged it for his forgiveness. And that's transformed her. Now, it's, it's so important for us to recognise Jesus doesn't pretend when it comes to sin. In verse 47, he talks about her many sins. One thing that, that Jesus would do by the Spirit is he would expose to us our sin so that we would be aware of our need. But those many sins and those great sins, perhaps that you have in your, your life, I have in my life, they're no barrier to God's grace that forgives. 
to quote from an old hymn, the vilest offender, the worst sinner who truly believed that moment, the moment we have faith from Jesus, a pardon receives. Or a, a modern hymn we often sing in church, our sins, they are many, but his mercy is more. Um, I wonder when you, you see and hear of this woman, you feel that this is me. Do you feel that you're hiding in the shadows, you're loaded down by sin and guilt and shame, um, that others would, would talk about you because of things that have happened in your past? Well, here's an invitation from Jesus to come into the light, to recognise that by looking to Jesus and trusting him, Jesus will forgive you. And as you think about the people that you know, perhaps who feel sort of loaded down with guilt, shame, uh, their past has such a hold on them. Pray for them. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends to find the grace of forgiveness. So we see that in the lady. We also see faith. Three elements of her faith uh, we can see. First of all, her boldness. Imagine the courage it would have taken for her to disrupt this, this posh dinner party to express her honour and her love. Here's a, a recognition that forgiveness frees us from shame. She's too busy thinking about Jesus, too busy recognising his love to care about the stares, to care about the insults, to care about being despised. She's got a boldness to her faith, but there's also a humility to her faith. Because what role does she take? She takes the servant's role, doesn't she, in foot washing. Usually people's heads were anointed. She doesn't feel worthy of that, perhaps, so she anoints his feet. She's humble before her king. Again, to borrow from another hymn, Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to your cross I cling. Are words that, that she would have echoed. Faith is humble, recognising we are dependent. All that we have is a gift of grace. But there's also gratitude. There's lovely demonstrations that there is no price too high for this woman to honour and to show her love. So there's the perfume, which would have been expensive, but there's also her not caring about her public opinion and reputation in order to show her honour. Love leads to worship. To quote again from John Newton, she knew, I am a great sinner. Jesus is a great saviour. And in that regards, worship just makes sense. Again, what if we really believe this? Imagine how that would change our worship. There'd be no half-hearted worship in, in our public times together in church or in our private devotions. So again, may, may God's grace change us as we come to value forgiveness and we come to exercise faith in him. And let's finish by thinking about Jesus. In Jesus, we see that God's grace changes everything. Here is Jesus, the figure at the heart of this scandal, this public scandal, because he extends his grace. He extends his grace by identifying with this woman. What would Simon have done? Simon would have excluded her, pushed her away, abused her. But Jesus is so different. He smashes down those cultural barriers, those religious barriers, that separation. He honours the dishonourable with his grace. The author of the Hebrews says powerfully to us as Christians, Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. He ties himself to us, such is his love for us. That's the pattern of Jesus 
and that establishes a model and a pattern for his church. We are to welcome, we are to honour, we are to be those who truly see people, see beyond the masks that people wear, see beyond the shame, the scandal, the baggage that people bring, so that we might honour and extend grace as God in Christ has given grace to us. And then let's think about the mission of Jesus. It's so notable, isn't it, when you look at the Gospels, how often Jesus goes to the margins of society. Luke especially draws attention to that. Jesus, the friend of sinners, has compassion for the weak, for the excluded, for the vulnerable. And again, isn't that a challenge for us as a church, as Christians? We often, I imagine, if you're like me, we live within the comfort zones. But Jesus would keep sending us out and would have us keep drawing others in. Which takes us to the gift of Jesus. He's come to give grace, to extend grace. The story ends with Jesus highlighting his grace. Um, in verse 48, he said to her, your sins are forgiven. There's forgiveness. Jesus so closely identifies with sin and with sinners that he has come uh, to bear uh, our sin, uh, to pay the price for our sin, to die the death that we deserve, uh, to bear the punishment that should be ours so that we might be forgiven. That's not something we deserve. That's something we freely receive as a gift by faith that looks and trusts in Jesus. And then Jesus says in verse 50, your faith has saved you. He talks about salvation. What has Jesus come to do? He's come to destroy the grip, the stranglehold of sin and shame leading to death in our lives. He has come to set us free to enjoy life with God in God's family. We are saved from sin to be God's people, to live obedient, holy lives that involves suffering and, and joy. And again, that's not something we earn or deserve. That's something that comes as a gift of God's grace we receive by faith. And Jesus says to her finally in verse 50, go in peace. Peace. She's been restored to wholeness, to life of blessing under God from God, with God, because Jesus has come to be the peace offering, to reconcile us. By nature, God is hostile to us because of our sin, and we are hostile towards God because of our sin. Our, our, we are going in the opposite direction, but, but Jesus comes to reconcile and to restore. In Jesus, we discover then that by God's grace, he would change everything in a person's life. You know, go back to where we began. Think about that church service. Think about that notorious person walking uh, into the building. What do we do? Well, may God help us to be like Jesus, to extend a gracious welcome, to show honour so that we might invite fellow sinners to know the transforming power of God's love and God's grace. Let's pray. Lord our God, we are so thankful for this story and for this reminder of your grace that welcomes, your grace that forgives, your grace that reconciles, your grace that brings peace. Lord, we pray to receive that, that that would change our hearts, it would lead us to to love and gratitude and worship and, and giving ourselves for the sake of Jesus. 
that it would break down barriers of apathy or hostility. Lord, may each one of us be captured by the wonder of the grace of God that we see in Jesus and at the cross of Jesus so our lives will be totally transformed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we'll close uh, by uh, singing. I will sing uh, Love Divine, All Love's Excelling and How Firm a Foundation and the first five verses of Psalm 25. <laughs> Excelling joy of heaven to earth come down, fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown, Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure. Pure and spiritual.
Will stumble in that day. 
God's house and dwell there all my days. That on the beauty of the Lord I constantly may gaze, and in his house may seek to know direction Oh.